Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle, a special edition today because I'm back, back in Cebu in the Philippines here at the headquarters of Full Scale. I've got a special guest with me today. We're going to talk all about the Philippines. We're going to talk about Full Scale. We're going to talk about why I am 8,500 miles away from my home, but I'm not. I'm here at home with all the folks that I work with at Full Scale. And with me today, I have Rodolfo Naku, who we also, for convenience, call Nax. Hello, Nax. Hey, Matt. Welcome back to Cebu. It's been a while. Yes. Um, first time I saw you, still on the Zoom or by a camera. So now I see you in person. I know. I you know I look way better on camera than I do in person. I'm just scary, and I'm getting old. And, and it's warm here, so I'm kind of sweaty. But yeah, no, it's been a while since I've been here. And, I, and uh, with that, I'm glad to be back. It's uh, for those of you that aren't aware, I'm one of the co-founders of Full Scale, found at fullscale.io, which is also who brings you this podcast. But we have quite a few employees here in the Philippines, don't we? Yep. Yes. More than 100. 170 right yes. now. So with that, you are our development and engineering manager. Is this true? Yes, 100%. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe. And you know what? I, I'm going to call you out because, I mean, I really feel like you're one of those 110% kind of guys. So maybe you're 110% the, the development manager. I would say that, yes. Yeah. I think more than that. Yeah, the there we business. go. Yeah. Now, see, now you know, he caught on. He's raising the bar here. So anyway, Nax and... Uh, why do they call you Nax? Is that just like, I never asked that. Yeah, here in the Philippines, especially uh, Cebu, we usually make names in one syllable. Mm. Yep. So kind of like Matt? Yep. <laughs> yeah, some Matthew, they just call you Matt. Yeah. And yeah, like Carmen Cito, they call them Charm. So mm -hmm. the closest name they could provide, it's one syllable name. Can easily call anywhere. Okay. Yes. So that's typical for anyone? Yes, it's very typical here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we've got someone sitting in for Johnny, who's our uh, usually our video guy, and we're not going to let him talk, but he's just Mitch. So he comes prepared for that, too. So mm -hmm. I guess maybe I was I was ready when I came here calling myself Matt. So so here at Full Scale, we you know, here we are. We're in the middle of the Cebu IT park. And for those of you that catch the video, like we can look out, we're looking out at a big IT park, lots of big buildings. We can see parts of downtown Cebu. There's the waterfront casino. I can actually see the water. Now, there's one thing I'm noticing. Um, in one of my books, I titled a chapter, It's Always Sunny in Cebu. It is not sunny in Cebu right now. What's up with that? Yeah, today it's the monsoon season. So you usually see uh, cloudy skies, gloomy skies every day. Uh, there is a 0% chance that I will experience a monsoon back in Kansas City. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we get hurricanes, which is kind of a form of a monsoon. But mm -hmm. all right. So in relation to, you know, Cebu is the second biggest city here in the Philippines. It's also the oldest. Is that that's correct, right? Yes. Um, in history, the first city that was colonized is in Cebu. 
okay. is where um, in the Spanish regime, uh, if you were able to visit downtown, uh, you will see there the Magellan's Cross or in the biggest cross and uh, in memory of the first Spanish colonizers here in name of Magellan, one of the captains of the ship. Magellan's Cross is actually one of the things that that's a, a tourist destination, isn't it? Yes. So maybe uh, on one of these trips, I'll go check it out. Yeah, we need to head there and just drive a Hubble Hubble, which is very famous here. A what? A Hubble Hubble. That's a motorcycle for hire. If we have, if you have Uber in Kansas, we have Ancas here for the Hubble Hubble. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's actually fun to bring up because uh, Watson and I were talking about that on a recent podcast we recorded and. So for those of you in uh, the United States, you know, we got used to Uber or Lyft mm-hmm. and a car comes and picks you up here. Mm-hmm. What was it called again? Ancus? Ancus. Yeah, Ancus. that's the app. That's the Uber app. Yeah. Available for motorcycle, for hire. And you're, yeah. so you're standing, I see, because I've been walking back and forth to the hotel and you, you see someone pull up on a bike mm-hmm. and someone jumps on the back and <laughs> then they take off and it's like, wow. Um, that would, I think that would feel weird in the States because it's like, hey, Jump on, wrap your arms around me. Let's go. <laughs> yes. And let's be realistic. It's warm here. So one of the, one of the things that uh, is interesting, so you mentioned it's the monsoon season, but mm-hmm. so which is technically winter here, right? Mm-hmm. Or close? Not close to winter because when we define winter here, there would be snow falling. Which... Yeah, there's no, well, that's where I was going. There's no, there. it's 72 to 92 degrees here every day all year round. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've had employees in Cebu for a long time, and some of them, I send them pictures of the snow, mm-hmm. and they often say that I've never seen snow. So um, you're not missing much. Yeah. So the snow <laughs> is not exciting. So yeah, I, it's kind of fun actually talking about Cebu here for a minute. So did you grow up here? Yep, I grew up in Cebu. Yeah, if I'm at this age, almost 40, so I've been here in Cebu for 40 years, okay. almost 40 years, yes. Okay, so some of the things that we're gonna talk about is kind of the why of Cebu. Um, you, you know, I mentioned that I hired employees here uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was last year that we opened up Full Scale to start working with lots of fun and interesting clients. That's part of what you help us with. Um, but why Cebu? And there's some things that translate over into some other hot topics so i'm not going to get into the whole bit if you want to read the story about why i ended up in cebu check out my book million dollar bedroom so but really the summary of that is there's a lot of tech business here right yes and where where so where did all that come from like what you've been here your whole life now you used to work for a major company publicly traded company you were there, I mean, huge, big box company. And there's a lot of them here. There's companies like Accenture, National Cash Register, Lexmark had a ton of employees. They still have a lot. Yes. But they oh. not as many as they used to. Mm-hmm. So what drove all that? Why is there why is there such a presence here? Why in the United States we have a talent shortage, as they'll call it. We don't have that's what we do at full scale is help people here get linked up with North American companies that can't find the number of talented programmers they need. So why are they here? Um, let me go back to just a quick history. Why the why Cebu become as the IT hub capital, one of the IT hub capital in the Philippines. So um, in the early 2000, the high demand for IT started. Schools started offering information technology, computer science 
courses, and computer engineering. <coughs> With that, companies like huge companies here in Cebu saw the potential of Filipinos, especially on how they are passionate about of the course they of the course or career they've chose. So why they chose Cebu? Because we have the high talented individuals, passionate and dedicated resource based from the studies on the results in every schools we have here. They are very highly competitive. Some university schools here competes with the US standards on how they deliver technical people or technical students choosing those courses. So that's we were talking about that before we hit record. Mm -hmm. uh, in the United States, the big thing with, you know, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and they talk about STEM. Mm -hmm. science, technology, engineering, and math. I mean, we had math class and science class when I was in school. Now I, I'm, I'm a little older than you, but one of the things I talk to people about is, you know, countries like the Philippines and India is another one and Eastern Europe, there was a much stronger emphasis. And that's exactly what you're reporting as well is mm -hmm. that 20 years ago, they said, Hey, there's a huge opportunity here. We better start training two generations, two decades worth in advance. And the result is what we find now, right? Yes. Okay. Right. I mean, that's a, there's a huge difference here. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's, uh, you know, Accenture has like 6,000 employees here. They have 60,000 in the Philippines. Um, 60,000 is the same number of computer science graduates the United States expects for the country this year, we're kind of behind. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things I forgot to mention is one of the things that US companies consider is one of the best things for the Philippine or the Cebuano communities in the IT field are is communication. Mm -hmm. They communicate good, they can speak, speak good English, they can write good English. Right, well, and that's one of the things here. So our employees, uh, um, so your English is, is above average. And then we have some people here that could be on this podcast now and our listeners wouldn't know that they were anything other for, they were from the Philippines. Is that, would you agree? Yeah. So is it, was that now I, I'm under the belief in that the call center industry, which was very prevalent here, put a lot of emphasis on English language skills, right? Yes. Is, do you think that's where that started? Actually, the um, call center just followed before we started with the engineering stuff. When that call center or the BPO was established, they see that if these students who graduated with technical courses like computer science or engineering, and they don't have the enough skill or the curriculum is not fully matched on software engineering, they just provide an option to be in a call center, considering that they have about above average communication. So wait, let me back up. Let's back up. So you're they're testing for aptitude. Mm -hmm. And so if you have this high level of aptitude, they were pushing you towards IT. Mm -hmm. And if you had a high, it, maybe if the aptitude was still high, but not like, hey, you're going to be a scientist mm -hmm. there. They they literally were directing you in the fields that are related to call center. Um, not necessarily directing, but they're going to provide you the option that you could provide this path. So yeah. when you're when you're eight years old, they're already talking like, "Hey, 
you know, you might be a great call center manager? Um, here in the Philippines, uh, especially in families, they started teaching kids at their very young age because right now most of the mass media, social media like or even um, like YouTube, all the kids are watching there from the very start of their age and all communications are in English. Right. Yep. <clears throat> so when, the, when we set up our business here and the Filipino government sent us our paperwork, it's all in English. Why? English is the official business language of the Philippines. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so um, now, yeah, uh, Watson's more of an aficionado on the statistics, but according to his research, the Philippines is, is one of the top three most fluent speaking for like the whole population. But that said, not everybody here speaks English. Yes, that's correct. But so, so, but there, and there also is an official language called Filipino. That's correct. All right. Yeah. But most of the signs here, if you're going to every street that you've traveled, maybe if you <clears throat> traveled over Cebu and even in the airport, it's unlike, all English. Yeah, it's yeah. all English. Unlike other um, places like India or Japan, that um, there are signs that in English and in their native language. So here, everything is English. When I was in Belarus last year, and that was December of 2018, nothing was in, literally nothing was in English. And I had spent quite a bit of time here where you're, okay, I, when I, I'm looking out the window of where we're recording, we're in the, I apologize for the coughing. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't lose my voice this week. I've been doing a lot of talking, but I'm looking out the window and I see a building that says Skyrise number three. Um, anything that I would see is very much in English. So what we have some employees that have small children and they're teaching them English as their first language. And I find that, I think that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we're committed to that path here. So when did you start with that? I started that um, when I was young. So we already taught in English because even in schools, we were the medium of language there is English and the teachers would let us pay some penalty if we're not going to talk in English in our classrooms. Oh, really? Yes. So, oh, so you get in trouble. <laughs> yes, we get in so trouble. So sometimes when you go, so one of the things I noticed when we were looking for the office space that we're in now was they would take us around to these different places. And I'd say, well, what is, show me what some of these floors look like when they're finished. And we went in, uh, we went in some places and they had signs up that said EOP, English only, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or someone would just say English only past this point or, you know, and that was that was now on the, on the other side of that when you so the floor we're on. So here at full scale where you have a whole floor of a I think, I think there's 20 floors. Yes. At least the elevator yeah, okay. says there is. <laughs> Maybe there's 19 because they skip 13, which I think we're actually on the 13th floor, but they call it 14. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Yes. It, if I, I, I think there's also no number four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you're right. The Chinese, because our building, it, well, it's a Chinese thing. Mm -hmm. um, the owners of this building are, uh, it's a Chinese company. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they have a problem with number four and then 13 as well. But yeah. so we have a whole floor of a building. Um, I, it's 1,100 square meters, which for those of you like me that are, don't know the metric system that's about 11,000 square feet. So we got a, a, we're open 24 hours a day, five days a week, 
But if you walk out on our production floor, I don't hear everybody speaking English to each other. So, and I mean, that's okay, whatever. But <clears throat> so at what point, you, you mentioned earlier, you used the, the word Cebuano, mm -hmm. and that is an actual dialect that's a mix between the two most popular languages here. Am I correct? Correct. Yes. So how does that work? I don't understand. There's like, you will have to learn to speak like five different languages. So is that, is that dialect only used here in Cebu? Uh, the uh, Philippines is composed of archipelago or many islands. So we have three major islands like Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. Uh, Cebuano, it's the dialect for the people who are living in Cebu, but we have some common dialects <laughs> across the Visayas and the Mindanao Island. So that's why we call that dialect as Visaya. So there are some commonalities on how we speak here. So if we're going to look at it, Visayas and Mindanao versus the Filipino dialect is much more vast here in the Philippines. So Cebuano, it's the language official language for the Cebu, but it's a mix of Visaya and common language here between the two islands. Yeah. Uh, we try, I think it was episode 26, some of our employees attempted to teach Matt and I, mm -hmm. Cebuano. Um, I was terrible at it. I, I my, my total vocabulary in Cebuano is exactly the same as it was at the end of that episode. Mm -hmm. And that was well over a year ago. So I'm not really improving. I think there's some mix of Spanish words in our the way we speak. If you notice some of But you know why I quit trying? I don't need to speak that language to communicate with anyone here. <laughs> it's not that I didn't want to learn it because I actually was committed to figuring it out. And like some of our own employees were even they, they thought it was cute that I was tr that we were trying but we had some that said, yeah, I mean, if you want to do it, I get it, but you don't need it. So, okay. So here in the city, you'll get a lot. And that's actually one of the things that, uh, at, that full scale. Well, first off, that's a requirement. You know, you have to have a level of English, uh, language, both written and spoken that allows you to be commun communicative with the people you're working with in North America. And why, if Watson was here, he would be raising his finger, ready to say, because building software is about good communication. Do you agree? Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Now, I heard here that you know a couple of things about building software. Correct. That's correct. Over my 11 years experience in research and development, so I've been from different types of models, different types of methodology. So that's why I'm de delivering <clears throat> those skills here at full scale. Okay. Now... And now I, we can, we can be open. So one of the, the most endearing things about Filipinos in general is humble. So I get to brag for Nax cause he just like under, you undersold your own ability. So we hired Nax to help work on all with all levels of clients to be a leader. Um, you, I believe, are on a couple U.S. patents. Yes. Uh, Your name, you were associated with them? or Yeah, humbly speaking, as you mentioned, we Filipinos are very humble. We put humi humility in every actions we do. So humbly speaking, um, I was able to create 
130 inventions. 130? Yeah, and four of it are yes patented. Yeah. Oh, so four. I yeah. was I was only <laughs> half. Okay. All right. Um, I believe one of our other employees here actually used to work with you is on some of them too, right? Are they the same or different ones? They worked for me before. Okay. Yeah. So the whole team's on them? Mm, not all the team. Yes. Okay. Yep. So I, I want to bring this up because this is important. Like at full scale, we're trying to hire the best people we can, the experts. Like think about that. Like there's people here at 130 inventions. But <clears throat> I knew that when we offered you a job. So what you do here is you actually work with our clients and the teams to do a variety of different things. We refer to you as an engineering manager over and above the term say project manager. So what do you consider the, some of the things that you do are also related to management of a project, but what's the real difference? Like what's the difference between an engineering manager and a product manager? One of the difference or the biggest uh, difference being an engineering manager it's the technical leadership and guidance or the knowledge on the software you're building, the way you think, the way you analyze every requirements. And a major thing is the, the way you think, especially the critical thinking side. We've talked a lot about that. This yes. Week, right. Critical thinking and analytical skills is higher on the engineering manager because of the vast variety of methodologies that you were exposed to, they fail fast, they learn fast. Those were the things that um, the entire, somewhat like the difference between a project manager and an engineering manager. But I would say that here at full scale, our project manager here wears many hats. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Everybody here wears yes. many hats. It's one of the mm -hmm. things we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I'll, and without being overly specific, so with an engineering manager, there were in your case, and we were upfront about, it, so we have some clients that also aren't uh, what we refer to as technical founders. So some of these are, are great entrepreneurs. They have great ideas. They have the resources to do stuff. So at this point, they have an idea and they want to develop it. They don't necessarily need a CTO. Because a CTO, they, they don't need a full-time one, or maybe they don't have a technical co-founder. In some ways, you act and perform some of the same tasks and responsibilities that a technical co-founder would be, right? Yeah, that's correct. Even in the, uh, the approaches, let's say, uh, what's the trend in technology, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that an engineering manager or development manager is executing. Well, so we recently spoke uh, to our whole staff here, and I have really impressed the point of, of why critical thinking is, is important. It's vital. Um, critical thinking is, like you said, planning ahead. And, and with that, I was asked to expand on, you know, everyone wanted to be a critical thinker and they wanted to do better. And that starts with simply asking, what are we trying to do here? What are we trying to accomplish? And I know that for some, that might seem like a basic question, but it's really the foundation of making it, it, it trickles down to so many different decisions that you're going to make, both, and that involves technology. And you talk about the trends and, you know, I, what I love about the podcast is that I, can, I just learned something there. 
because I hadn't really thought about that a whole lot. So where, where, what do you want to accomplish and where are you going to be? So trends with software and technology change a lot, right? Yeah. And when you worked at your prior job, you dealt, you had a lot of legacy technology. That's correct. Even 35 year old technology. So let's talk, give us some input about why it's really important for us to plan and provision accordingly, because that it's legacy because it's either too hard to update. You don't want to update it or maybe you can't. Is that right? Yeah, it can. But we usually look at on the impacts. Let's say if it's a legacy, but serving 100 customers or clients, how do we make that legacy into the newer trends without impacting the existing clients. So let's say uh, moving to a new trend of technology from if this is a legacy built out in C++ and not served in the cloud, how would be the new solution would not disrupt the current operation even if it's not broken. So and that's important because that okay uh, tech founders use the term disruptive a lot but in your in your use case you do not want to be disruptive because any change that you make could affect a whole bunch of users that you're trying to it's like trying to change the tires on a car that's in motion mm-hmm. is that a fair comparison yes and it's tough on some levels it can feel impossible and have you had something we don't have to be too specific but i'm assuming at some point you have had an instance where the tires all came off the car and we didn't get the new ones back on. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you it don't know what's gonna happen until you turn the switch on on some things, so. <clears throat> yeah, I usually use this word, uh, let's cross the bridge when we get there. Right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, but eventually you get to the bridge is yeah, the thing, and then you get to realize if the bridge is stable, <laughs> if it's even open, mm-hmm. or maybe there's not a bridge that you <laughs> thought there would be. Yeah, uh, but why that that's important because when in this case when you disrupt your own technology and you don't want it, uh, it's you now have a completely different set of problems that can be really overwhelming, right? Yeah, yeah. When sometimes we define disruptive as like in every solution it could be half the cost, two times the quality, multiple the customer value. So usually that's what we, we, we draw before on bringing solutions. Yeah. So yeah, disruptive, it's somewhat like a similar in some of the technologies here. How disruptive is it a car to be fueled by water? Okay. Yeah. How, like how, what would that disrupt? Like if you're, if we're discussing disruption, what would a, a water fueled car that would, that would disrupt a lot of things related to petroleum. Correct. It would affect buying decisions. Mm-hmm. It would affect a whole string of products, things, meaning parts, engines, uh, jobs that all rely on like, so the thing is, is when you go and buy a Ford, anything, we'll use that a Ford truck as an example. Ford doesn't make all those parts themselves. Some of them they buy from other people. Now they might have to buy them from different companies. And yeah, I mean, the, you, there, there could be like an amazing ripple effect. Yes. And it, it's a hot topic because uh, climate change um, is, is here. It's real. Um, and, you know, we want to switch over 
to all this stuff really soon, but on some levels, and while I'm a big supporter of all that stuff, there's some interesting implications that come up. Same thing with software. Software runs everything. So if your software helps someone run their business and you disrupt it, now I know this. I, we like to talk about what we failed at. You know, we, when we were building Gigabook, we had a few instances where we disrupted our own technology. And uh, some businesses are best when your phone never rings. I'll tell you what, when we do that, the phone doesn't stop ringing. Mm -hmm. Right. On some levels, though, it is uh, you do realize that you have a sticky product because those people are calling in their piss because they rely on what you've built to run their business. So that's but that's the only upside. Yeah. <laughs> OK. All right. <clears throat> so. When another thing with engineering management is the leadership component. Now, I. I think that a lot of the, the personality types that often draw a, uh, a software developer uh, don't always come with an outward nature. Um, I, I know sometimes it is the case, but there's a level of leadership that exists that is really important with what you do. What kind of leadership task, like what do you try to do when you're leading a project? What do you think is important? Understand the problem. Understanding the problem and your approach in understanding the problem. Placing people and understanding the problem and understanding the people, the approaches of understanding the problem and putting up the solution. Okay. So, and understanding the problem is pretty broad, but mm -hmm. some of that is... So, we've, we've had a hot topic here. One of the things that we really push at full scale is encouraging critical thinking. And why? Because our clients hire our team because they're experts, they're senior. But the worst thing we can do is not voice our opinion. Not tell a client, I think the plans that you gave me are going to be a train wreck. So some of that is understand is also avoiding a problem, right? Yes. Okay. What do you think is something that okay? You know we're going to understand a problem, but all right. If I ask you, if I sat down next to you and I bought you a beer, and you hadn't met me, and I said, "What do you do?" You're like, "Okay, I work in software." And I said, "What's the one thing you need to know to build software?" If you asked me, my answer would be. Mm -hmm. It's fucking hard. And I swore there because I need to make the point. It's not easy. All right. So if I will be the one to approach, it's okay. We know that software is big, but what, what really matters? It's what, what's the business? What's the business? What would be your vision? What would be the strategy? What would be the goal in building the software? Right. And where would it be? Let's say in the next three to six years, where would you envision this product? So usually that's the part of the conversation we're in. You can see where is this heading? What are the technologies to be used? So somewhat like a quick conversation about what are the vision, the strategies, the goals in building every software. And having those visions and goals would gain interest on the people that we're placing to it, how they're going to achieve that. Okay. Yep. 
So switching topic here, because mm -hmm. and I'm not going to make you play mixtape, but you are actually helping us build mixtape on some days. You yeah. stop by. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're ready to get this app out. It's coming soon. Mm -hmm. We're going to have like a whole week. We're having like mixtape week on the. So, but you've actually played it, right? Have you yeah. played the app? Yes, I played it. I was looking for Filipino songs, but it was not there. <laughs> <laughs> we prepared. I played mixtape with the team that's building the app. And they had planned that. They were mm -hmm. going to throw all. Now, that said, you're not supposed to, the app doesn't let you know who picked what song to try to protect the integrity of voting. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was a setup. I would have been the only one not picking Filipino or Sabuano music. <laughs> so everyone would have known to vote for me then, yes, right? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I see how it goes. So there's a few things. And, you know, thanks for sitting down. Um, I, I, hopefully, uh, we didn't stress you out too much. Yeah, actually, thank you for inviting me. So uh, I usually saw you on YouTube. You both, you, Matt Watson, and you, having fun together talking and do every podcast. It's an honor to be part of. I would say guest. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I always tell people, you know, people have asked, like, what are you? Okay, before when we schedule people, they said, well, what are the interview questions? So this is a conversation. I mean, I didn't know that we were going to talk about Magellan's cross, but it was interesting. Let's talk about, it, you know, and some of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I always appreciate a good conversation. So, um, I mean, what do you what do you see for yourself down the road here at Full Scale? What are your what are your big plans? My big plans here is to be part of the history. There would be a tablet there with my name. Where it is heading. He wants his name and stone <laughs> on the wall. Oh, man. All right. That was a good answer. But, you know, it's funny you said something about history. I, I think we're doing something significant here. I mean, I have 170 employees in less than 18 months. Mm -hmm. And we are positioned. We have everything we need right in front of us to double that in less than 18 months. And uh, so recently, uh, and this is maybe, a, and you've been a witness to some of this stuff. So I've been, I'm here for a week and I've been basically a Monday through Friday. So I came in and I'm exhausted. Um, I'm surprised to have a voice. That's why I've been coughing because I've had to talk to so many people about so many different things here. Is that a lot? It's fair, right? Yes. Uh, lots of engagement happened this week. Yeah, the engagement, <laughs> I, I kind of rolled my eyes and scratched my head there. But um, some of the things we talked about related to communication and having employees and building a company that is big and doing things that are significant is taking care of the people that are there. So we uh, we did a town hall meeting. And so this is the difference. You talk about scale and, and, why, and when things become different. So on March 5th of 2018, I think we had 10 employees. 10 employees is a very manageable and reasonable number. A lot of you listening probably could have that. And then you go from that 18 months later to 170. Technically, we have more. That's just the number that are here. Yes. <laughs> and so we funny. had to change. <clears throat> Once again, apologize for the coughing. I'm glad I have a voice. But the change, the difference in approach that you have... So we were talking about software and considering what you want to do. Never at any point in, in March of last year were Matt Watson and I saying, you know what, 
we'll probably have 170 employees in a year and a half. So, it, and with that, we had to become very adaptive and responsive to a lot of different stuff. Um, we could probably have more employees and be bigger. But at one point we even said, Hey, I think we need to slow down. Um, cause we needed to make sure we had the right kind of stuff in place. So, but we had a town hall meeting because if I sat and here's the math, if I sat down and individually spoke to everybody that worked here, that would have been a 42 hour week. It would have taken my whole entire week just to do that. And I wanted to make sure that everybody had the ability to ask questions. So, and you want to talk about flexing that people. I, so we had these, <laughs> these slaves laughing because you, you saw me answering I did two sessions. Mm -hmm. I spent five hours yesterday answering questions, but I thought that it was important. I'm here. I want to hear what you have to say employees, right? That was, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how that went. Um, but I wanted to share a couple of funny because yes. we don't have, there were a couple of funny questions. In there. <laughs> so we had questions about, you know, our policies and what things change. And, and, you know, so when I came here, I did not have intent of increasing our PTO days by 50%. That decision had not been made and it wasn't high up on the, on the priority list until I got here and I saw those questions in the box. And that was the most common one was, could we have more PTO? So, um, I, you know, and, and as a leader or a founder or some, if you want your business to grow, it's gotta, you gotta, the people around you, um, have to have a big part of that. We had to, we didn't realize we would need an engineering manager. And some of our accounts got so big mm -hmm. yes. that we realized we had a completely different, we have people that started with two people in our office here. And I, I'll give you a little background. If you needed stuff, if you needed programmers or it help, you would call full scale and we help augment the team you have in the States. And it's long-term. So our clients are, are building teams in our office with the intention of never giving them back. And that's a different approach, but yeah, but through listening, uh, we figured a few things out. A couple of the questions we, I, you know, we had questions about policy and benefits. What's our future? Like, what are the plans? How, you know, what, how do you see our ability to grow career wise? Um, and then we had some questions that what kind of books do you like for leadership? And then there were my two favorite. So I'm pulling these slips of paper pretty fairly, fairly randomly. And I pull one and it says, what is the value of your sneaker collection? And I, and I laughed, I said, Oh, wow. And for those of you listening, if you're unaware, <clears throat> I have a bit of a sneaker problem. So yeah, so I had 150 pairs of shoes that I'm suddenly thinking about. And then I realized that I wasn't even, I didn't even have the largest sneaker collection in full scale. Our COO, Daryl, actually beats me badly. <laughs> so yeah, so we answered that. And then the funniest one, and I opened the slip of paper and I had not seen this. It said, hello, Matt, do you drink? Want to get wasted? <laughs> Do you still have that? I think you, you keep I that. Picture, yeah, I posted I it on Facebook. I'm going to post it on Instagram. It was really funny. Now, remember, these are anonymous questions. So, so I answered it. I answered yeah. it straight out. I said, no, I don't really drink a whole lot, but sometimes I do. And I've had a long week, so I'll consider it. But yeah, but I don't know who wrote it. So yeah. I'm not really By sure. By the way, what, what was your favorite drink here in 
Philippines. Like alcoholic or yes, not? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, well, I don't really, I, don't, I haven't really drank here. So, um, but my, I do have a favorite drink here. It's the green mango shake. Green mango shake. Yeah. And you talk about learning new things. I did not realize, and neither did Matt until we'd come here last year, the difference in mangoes. Because <laughs> you have an orange mango and a green mango. But the, and the difference is the taste. One is sweet and one sour. And I think you learn pretty quickly. Are you green or, or are you green or orange? Me? What? Uh, green. You like? I like sour. Yeah. Yeah. Sour. I like it sour. Let's. I, so, and then we'll look over at our video guy, Mitch. Are you green or orange? What do you I like uh, sweet. see? He likes the sweet. I, I mean, I like them both, but I always order. So one of the things that so I've been talking so much, and my my throat hurts at this point. I'll be looking forward to going and getting. It's a smoothie basically, but. I will say one thing, and I've told so many people this, when I first came to the Philippines, one thing I very quickly realized was that everything I thought was true about fresh fruit was a lie. Because their fruit is actually fresh here, and man, it's good. It's, uh, it's yeah. Yeah. Lots of mangoes here. Yes. Yes. And dry, I love dried mangoes. Oh, those are, those are great. Man, just mangoes everywhere. So... And, but and we'll kind of use this as we round out. There is actually a fruit here that is really popular, but it stinks. Yeah, you're referring to. Um, you're don't... gonna. I can't. I don't know what it is. You're gonna tell me what it is, but some, like you can't <laughs> eat it on like public transportation or some, certain things. You can, yeah, you can even bring it in, inside a plane. So it stinks, but it's sweet. It's what we call durian. Durian. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, we recently had a hurricane, Dorian. I think it's spelled a little different, but that stunk too. That really didn't help the, the state yeah. of Florida and the East Coast. So do you eat Dorian? I eat Dorian, but covering my nose. Does it smell that bad? Uh, How can it be so sweet, but it smells yeah. terrible? Yeah, it's, I think that's the catch there. Sweetness, and, and that's what you get on some of the delicious fruits here in the Philippines. Were, were you the one that asked me if I wanted to get drunk? Was that you? Was that your question? Nope. Okay, I'm down. I've eliminated one. I've got now. I was talking to Daryl, our COO today, and I and I sent that to our staff at home, which literally like probably fell out of seats laughing. Uh, and you know, Daryl, I, I, when I posted on Facebook, the comments were funny. And I usually don't have a computer in front of me when we do this, but um, they're they. I mean, they're hilarious. So some one one. Uh, all right, my book editor asked if that was the new employee of the month. Um, I thought that was great. Someone asked just simply how I replied. Um, oh, he, uh, and there you go. Charles, Charlie Hansen has, has recommended that we make this our new client relations manager, but I I'm trying to figure it out. Cause when Daryl Blackburn, our COO and I were talking, I think, and I told Sandy here, our, our pre company president, his job might be in danger because we might have a new company president. We need bright minds like that, <laughs> innovative thinkers, people that are really looking out for the other people here at Full Scale. So, so it wasn't you, Mitch Lee? Was it you? Okay, we're down. We got two down. I posted a message. I I, I thought it was great. I posted it in our general channel on Slack, and I just simply asked, "How do I cash this in?" So I've got the certificate, but yeah, that was funny. I'm going to post a picture of that on Instagram. Uh, really was funny. So, hey, Nax, thank you. Yep. Thank you, Matt, for having me here. Thank you. Do you listen to this podcast? Yes. This is my 
somewhat like FM radio on the weekends okay. on Saturday. So, uh, what's your favorite episode? Uh, you'd like to hear that? Yeah, sure. The sex coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's a popular one. Yeah, yeah. It, that that was. Uh, <clears throat> we talked to people about that, and some people are like, yeah, sex coach. She's an entrepreneur. She's a founder. She's trying to do stuff, right? She's doing meaningful stuff, and Kristen is serious about it. Mm-hmm. And yes, all those questions when I said I was asking for a friend were actually I was asking for Watson. So anyway, if you get a chance, go check that out. We're talking about the business of sex coaching. If you want to, uh, we're going to, we got a video out of this. You want to see this wave? We're on the camera there. Uh, you'll see the back of my head and a lot of the video probably, I think. But you can check out our YouTube channel. If you want to check us out on Instagram, we are at Startup Hustle Podcast. Check out Full Scale at at full scale KC and we will see you next time. Yep. Before you end, where's the money gone? Ah, <laughs> you know what? Everyone, I had at least 10 people ask me, did you bring the money gun? And look, here's the thing. Bringing things on airplanes that are shaped like guns is a bad idea. Yes. <laughs> That's the lesson you should have taken. See you next time. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.